welcome to Meet the Translator episode one. My name is Dot Roberts. I'm super excited to get the podcast series started. Our first guest is Chris Drew, a fellow freelance translator who I met at the University of Manchester while both studying a part-time master's in translation. Today we're going to be discussing our experience of the MA, the modules we took, which ones were useful or not, what we struggled the most with, our key takeaways and any tips we have for those of you who are thinking of doing a translation masters. Throughout the episode we'll also get some insights from other freelance translators. We'll also be talking about things we wish the MA had taught us but didn't and at the end we'll answer some of your questions. Hi Chris, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Hello, thanks for having me on. Good to be here. Can you tell us a bit about yourself? Like, what languages do you translate and what are your specialisms? Yes, yeah, sure. So I mostly translate from Spanish into English these days, although I do also do some Catalan and some Arabic into English. My specialisms are, I'd probably say, in terms of topics, you divide it into two. One, On the one hand, it's sport entertainment, television, that kind of thing. Uh, On the other hand, it's non-governmental organisations, international organisations, things like that. Those are the two things that I mostly work with. Mm -hmm. And how did you sort of get into it? How did you become a translator and why did you decide to follow that path? So I went to university and made quite a late decision to study languages, but I've always been interested in them. Studied Spanish and Arabic for four years at the university and then I think I always knew I wanted to use my languages in my work didn't want to just stop using them as soon as I finished my degree and um, what I didn't want to be a teacher so an obvious option was to me at least translation Uh, so I looked into that I found that you know you need to do a master's the university did offer that master's program and so that was nice I had the continuity and I yeah began the master's course two years part-time as you know and off the back of that basically I've been getting work being working as a freelancer ever since then well thank you Chris it's really interesting so let's get into the podcast let's go so first we're going to talk about the modules that we studied. So me and Chris both went to the same university and studied a lot of the same um, modules were on the same course. And the main ones that we had were, we had a translation and interpreting studies module, which ran throughout the whole thing, I think. And we also had a research methods one. And those were the two core ones that we had. The core modules are very research heavy, I would say. Yeah, definitely. The sort of three, like you say, the three compulsory modules. One was the translation one, which was basically just the theory and background. That was one of the first ones we did. And then each year, because we we both did part time, each year we did some research methods, which is a mix of theory and sort of preparation for research you might do later in an academic career, basically. Mm, Yeah, I guess in a way it was sort of also preparing us for if we wanted to do a PhD in translation afterwards. Yeah, research methods very much about that kind of thing. And it was also you, you sort of use it to lead up into your dissertation at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So that's that's quite good. I don't know how you found them. I thought the initial translation sort of theory module could be a bit dry at times. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. 
to be fair, it was dry at the time, but that was because I was, it was like the first thing we did when we mm-hmm. came into the Masters and you come into it expecting to do a lot of translation. And the first thing we did was learn how to do some research and learn about translation through the ages. So it's important, but it's not exactly what you're expecting to do when you first start. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I agree with you. I remember feeling like that as well. And I think also because we did it part time over two years, we had to wait quite a while before we could do the modules that we were really interested in doing. We had to get through a lot of other stuff before we could do the exciting things. And there were some really exciting modules on our course. We both did audiovisual translation. We also did translation technologies, which I think was really interesting one where we looked at sort of yeah the technology and translation. Um, we also based did translation media culture as well as translation project management and professional ethics. And then there were two that we did separately, I think. So I did literary translation and you did, what was it? Yeah, yeah I, did, uh, I did translation for international organisations, which is a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there were a lot of sort of, there were a lot of things to choose from and you could do things that interested you. And it wasn't all theory, but it was just... Yeah, I think that's something worth worth mentioning is that there were sort of two different types of module that you could choose from throughout the degree. Um, so on the one hand, you had the theory-based ones, things like the translation and interpreting studies, the research methods, translation and media culture, where it was a lot more of a study of the theory of translation in various guises. And then you had the more practical units like in my case, translation for international organizations or literary translation in your case. Mm-hmm. And they were much more hands-on. You still had the theory. You still were given a grounding in how translation worked in those fields. But you also got to spend a lot more time in smaller tutorial groups uh, with language specialists, either lecturers or other people from the university, going over example translations and developing the skills that way yeah and I remember there was one of them as well where we got to do a presentation that was the um translation and media culture one but that was good yeah I think the I really enjoyed doing the group work I preferred the more sort of practical practical side of things I definitely preferred I definitely preferred the uh, the practical units mm-hmm. because as I say I went into it I really wanted to be translating not everyone, I suppose, that does the Masters wants to be a translator, but that was definitely why I started. And so the units where I got to do a translation, be told what was good, be told what wasn't good, and work and improve on that were definitely my favourite. That being said, theory is good too, it's important, and I was especially glad to be made aware of the world of Lawrence Venuti and foreignization, which I'm sure you can come to later down the line. I think like I think another interesting part of it was the fact that we had a lot of different there are a lot of people doing a lot of different languages on our course so when you did sort of group work and that kind of thing you could see you could sort of think about translation from in the perspective of different languages as well as just the ones that you know and notice that like the differences between languages and the different kinds of challenges that come up that you might not necessarily have ever come across before in your translation. And it's quite cool to be able to work together with other people um, with the different languages and learn about 
hear that way as well. So I did like the fact that we all had different languages going on. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a good range. There's a good range, and that gives you different perspectives, which I think is really important when you go into the profession. Mm-hmm. So we've had a message in from Tomash, who um, talks about his experience of what it's like studying at a Czech university. Hi, Dad. Thanks for having me. My name is Tomáš and I come from the Czech Republic where I also got my master's degree from translation studies. Long story short, it was a blast. There are only about 20 people accepted into the study program each year, which might sound surprising, but it has its benefits. The best and most valuable one was definitely personal feedback. And since the study program was around 75% practice oriented and only about 25% theory oriented, there were a lot of translations from all sorts of different registers and domains to get feedback on. Basically, the professors would go through the source text segment by segment and showing us how other students translated it. Seeing where my classmates were making mistakes or doing well, as well as learning about my strengths and weaknesses, helped me improve tremendously. To be honest, I can't imagine what it's like to start being a freelance translator without all the lessons I learned during my studies. Thank you for sending that in, Tomáš. It's really interesting to hear your experience. Yeah, that's really interesting the way that they got everyone's translations and sort of compared them as a large group. I'm not sure how I'd feel about that, but you can definitely learn a lot from looking at how other people translate things. It actually reminds me quite a bit of um, a module I did in my undergraduate degree, which was a translation module. And we worked, because I my uh, degree was German and Dutch, we had half of the class was English people who spoke German and half of the class was German people who spoke English. And we did a translation in like pairs. So there was like one English person, one German person. And we'd do it, we'd do it into and out of German and then help each other. And that was a really cool thing that we did. That's interesting, kind of like translation Chinese whispers almost. Yeah, it was, it was, just, <laughs> it was just really cool to like see both sides. And actually it's so helpful working with someone who has the other language yeah you get a much better sense of the hidden structure of the text i suppose we've also had a message in from chloe i studied ma in specifically audiovisual translation at the university of leeds um i found it really useful really practical course so we did a lot of practical lessons and application of translation and audiovisual translation alongside the theory um so we were taught by professionals who were active freelancers in the sector. So we got a real insight into what the industry was like rather than just an overview of the theory of translation. So that was really valuable. And we also got to do like practice projects. So some students would act as PMs um, or the teacher would act as a client, for example. And then we would have to, we'd also get marked on our kind of communication with the client and things like that. So it wasn't just getting marked on the translation work that we produced, but on our professionalism, which I think was really valuable because that's basically that's how it is in the real world after we graduated. So I think that that was really, really useful. Thanks, Chloe. I found that really interesting that you got to do those practice projects. That's not something that we did during our degree but it sounds something that would be really, really beneficial. I mean, just, yeah, getting an idea of how a professional workflow as a translator is something that I think everyone would benefit from. And that sounds like a really good programme over at Leeds. Well done, Leeds. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it sounds great, doesn't it? We did have a bit of, um, we got a bit of an insight into project management in our, that module about translation project management. Um, we did that. But so. it was more, yeah, but it was more sort of focused on the project management side of things than the freelancer side of things. And I feel like we didn't, we learned sort of how to. Um, we didn't have the one big joined up, almost a role play aspect of it, I suppose, that's yeah. been described here by Chloe. That, I mean, that sounds. Yeah, that sounds that, like quite an undertaking, but it sounds really useful. Yeah, so um, so we've had a question in from Christina. Hi, my name is Christina. I'm currently studying for a BA in Modern Languages. What did you enjoy while studying for the translation degree? So my favourite module of the MA was probably the audiovisual translation module. Mm-hmm. There were elements of it that I really liked. I found it really interesting because it was a bit more challenging than just regular translation with the you had the time restraints and it was really interesting because the way that we learned it was very we sort of learned it right from the basics like I remember our lecturer started off with literally giving us sheets of paper and like tables and we would have to (laughs) like like count like count the seconds and count every like the letters in the words like the characters like, a lot it, of mental arithmetic early on. It was, and it was like, like we did it to start like the very first lessons with like without even using the software, and it was actually kind of interesting to like learn it from the very very basics, and then mm-hmm. put that into using it in the software. And even though at the beginning I was a bit like, how is this going to be relevant? Because when no one's ever going to do subtitling like with sheets of paper, but. <laughs> But but then it, it gives you a really good grounding. It gives you a really good understanding, I think, which yeah, exactly. which is really helpful uh, because it means you understand what the software is actually trying to do for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I found the audiovisual translation really interesting too, and it's something that I've been doing a lot of in my work since then. I think it is a very different challenge as a translator because of how limited you are in terms of how many words you can say something in you know when you get a page generally you can write that in as many words as you want when you get a subtitle you have i think 74 characters at most so that's it was a really interesting module very challenging one but i i think maybe the one i enjoyed more than that oddly enough for me is not one of the practical ones but actually the translation of media culture oh really yeah there was something about it so a rough overview is basically a discussion of what translation is and where it gets used and how it ties into the way we consume things from what i remember of the module we looked a lot of like sort of social media things news articles Mm -hmm. i remember we did a presentation together what what was our presentation oh so we did a presentation about representations of a piece of news in different media so in different languages and different cultures and the idea that the same objective story could be presented in very different ways. Yeah, depending on biases and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, another piece of work I did for that was about activist translation. And I found it, yeah, a really useful, interesting experience. And I feel like I learned a lot. I reckon a lot of people might be wondering whether an MA is really for them. What do you think you got from doing an MA? Yeah, it's a good question. That I think whenever anyone decides to take on such a big 
project. I mean, in the UK, there's the money involved, but it's all, even if the money's not involved, it's a big time commitment. So it's, I think that's a really good question. I would say I took away a lot, actually, for a two-year part-time course. I, I learned a lot, I think, from the more obvious things were things like using a piece of software or mm-hmm. what different types of translation are available, who project managers are, what LSPs are, things like really basic stuff, but then also being able to delve into the world of theory, uh, being able to explore different ways of translating the same text. So, yeah, I think I took away a lot. What about you? Do you reckon you got a fair bit out of it? What was your sort of main takeaway? Yeah, I feel like when I think back at it, when I finished my, because I basically went on to do the MA straight after I finished my undergraduate degree, and my undergraduate degree was just a language degree. And I feel Mm. like at the end of that degree, I'd done, I think, one or two modules in translation where we'd literally just done practical translation and the translations had been marked and all that kind of thing. But we hadn't learned anything about the theory, the software, um, any other sort of thing that you would need to go into a translation career, basically. you All you had was, like, the linguistic skills for it. Mm-hmm. So definitely... That's interesting that like, you... Uh, it's interesting that you did translation as part of your undergraduate. I think I'd have really enjoyed that. The only real translation I did was into Spanish, mm. which is obviously very unusual. In, and in fact, it's not something I do professionally. Definitely. I Because I remember I finished my undergraduate degree and I was like, right, I think I want to become a translator. And my first thought was like, oh, I'll look for translation jobs. But basically every single translation job seemed to require you to have an MA. So I was like, OK, I'll just go and do an MA. And in my head, it was sort of to start with, I was like, I'll do it because I need that qualification to be able to get a job in it. I wasn't thinking, oh, I need to learn more things. Um, And I don't think at that point I realised how valuable it was going to be because there were so many things that I hadn't even thought about. Um, I think the technology side of it was really useful. We got taught how to use translation software such as SDL Trados Studio and MemoQ um, and a few other softwares as well, um, as well as the subtitling software. And obviously, like, nowadays, translation is very technology-based and that was obviously I thought that was very very valuable knowledge to have gained I wouldn't be able to do my job now without that (laughs) yeah oh yeah definitely I mean if I think back to the way I was translating before I mean not professionally but for studies or whatever the way I was translating before I did the MA I mean half the time it would be with a bit of paper and a pen maybe a dictionary or you'd even, uh, I mean, like, you couldn't do that now, could you? You couldn't do that for pay and make it, make it, make it work. Exactly. So that's like, definitely. I mean, that's definitely one of the main things to take away. I remember I would, I would open a word document and just have a two-column table, and I would just put the source text on one side and the target text on the other, and try and like do it next to oh, it. See, but that was like that's that's fancier than I ever got before I started the other. I didn't even yeah. I don't think I even knew that there was like translation software like I, I think I was vaguely aware but I just never really looked into it and but did you always mm-hmm. well you said you wanted to be a translator do you ever consider interpreting or was it always going to be a translation for you I mean actually I was really interested basically so I did my undergraduate in Nottingham and I remember this one time we had a talk where there were two sort of talks that were like the same kind of within the same topic 
um, and we had one where the translator came in and spoke to us and one where an interpreter came and spoke to us and the translator was someone who worked in a translation agency and I mean he was a lovely man but it sounded a bit dull to me <laughs> um, I think it was the way he was talking about the agency and then this woman came in and she talked about interpreting and she talked about how she traveled all over the world and spoke in so many yeah. different places and I thought wow that sounds really really exciting so I decided it, does, it, it sounds like the, exciting, <laughs> the more exciting job out of the two yeah I, I, so... I wanted to be an interpreter so that's why I was like, I decided to go to Manchester because I was like, I want to do a degree where it's got translation and interpreting and not just translation because mm-hmm. otherwise I probably would have stayed on and done my MA at Nottingham because they do a yeah. translation MA, but it's just translation. But I was like, no, I want to do translation and interpreting. And then <laughs> ended up not even taking any interpreting modules anyway, <laughs> sticking with the translation. But I was definitely interested in it to start with. I was, yeah, I was very interested in doing the interpreting side of things, mm-hmm. uh, partly just for language practicality reasons, that the languages I spoke weren't the right combinations to do the conference. Yeah, anyway, boring reasons, uh, mm-hmm. I didn't do it. But actually, I much prefer being able to sit wherever I want and do my work, so it worked, it yeah. worked out quite well, actually. I think, I think it was the right decision. When I think about interpreters' work, I think, wow, like, it must be crazy. It's crazy how quickly they have to sort of Im- have like one thing input and another thing output. And I, I think it's amazing, oh, basically. 100%. Um, they're, on a, they're on another level. A bit, uh, no, a lot literally. of respect to the interpreters. Even, <laughs> especially... Sorry, even, like, sorry people keep calling you translators. I know, I'm sorry. Especially, especially at the minute, like with, obviously there's a, currently a pandemic, you probably all know that. Um, and might be aware um like with I've seen a lot of interpreters having to do I mean probably most interpreters at the minute having to do all of their work online um over like zoom calls like this or however else and like sometimes it's just not it's definitely like it's definitely not the same as doing in person so I honestly I don't know how they do it like on top of having to actually do the interpreting to deal with like internet and like audio quality and all that kind of thing so hats off to them a lot of a lot of respect to interpreters Mm -hmm. but um i mean getting back to getting back to your question i would say if anyone's considering it go and have a look but i would wholeheartedly recommend doing an ma in translation Mm -hmm. because you learn a lot and you can use it to do some really interesting things yeah and also it's it's a great way to make connections and colleagues and know people other people that are doing the same thing as you because when I first became a freelance translator before I really fully went on LinkedIn and did all that kind of thing you were basically the only other freelance translator that I knew and it was so valuable having you there to like talk to and we sort of set up our businesses at the same time and kind of helped each other with that so I think another part of it is having other students. Nicole has shared with us her main takeaway from her MA. Hello, my name's Nicole Fennick and I am a French to English translator specialising mainly in legal translation. I completed my Masters in Translation Studies at Durham University from 2017 to 2018 and it was definitely one of the best decisions I've ever made. I would say that my main takeaway from my from my translation studies masters was niching down. 
I think that was something that at Durham, they were very, very good at accommodating and encouraging. We had specialist classes on different, different themes, different practice areas of translation, which I think was absolutely fantastic because it allowed us to to really get a taste of what um, what we enjoyed, what we were interested in, and perhaps what we wanted to focus on in our in our future translation careers. Something that I found on my translation studies course was that it was very theory heavy, which was very interesting and actually much more relevant to professional practice than people think. Something that I became aware of quite quickly, really, when I went freelance after my master's was that I wasn't very well prepared for the technological side of the profession. I had to learn a lot when I started my translation practice. It was very much learning learning on the job. Probably the, the biggest thing that I wish I'd been taught is how to use translation technology better. Thanks, Nicole. That was really interesting. That's a very good point, actually, about finding a niche and probably one that actually I didn't necessarily take away from my master's, but something that's become increasingly obvious since then. So it's, uh, it's interesting to know that Nicole got that from her master's and encouraging as well. Yeah, I think it's really, I think it must be a really valuable thing because I remember like finishing my MA and being like, what should I specialise in? Everyone has a specialism. I don't know what I like doing the most. I don't know what to specialise in. And apart from having done the audiovisual translation module, because I guess audiovisual translation has now sort of become my specialism. Mm-hmm. Apart from doing that, I was like, I don't know. I was trying to sort of <laughs> try every single different area because I hadn't got that from my MA. Um, so it's great that they offer that at Durham. It was interesting to hear what she wished her university had taught her but didn't so is there anything that you wish that you'd have learned from RMA that we did but that they didn't teach you yeah it's, it's, uh, it's I mean it's always a difficult question because the, there's a bit of a case of grass is always greener we've heard different things from a few different people today mm-hmm. it's been interesting I like that what what Nicole said about finding a niche I think more emphasis on that might have been useful mm-hmm. and also the idea from Chloe about what they did in Leeds with that role play to really get a better feel of how it is to be a translator, working with other translators, working with proofreaders, working with LSPs, get the whole start to finish process of a project. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that would have been really valuable experience. Other than that, though, I think, I mean, we covered enough theory for my, for my wants. We certainly... I think we learnt enough of the different types of technology. So, yeah, I think those would be my main wishes. Mm-hmm. What about you? Did you, is there any, anything you'd add to that? I think, personally, we could have been taught more about freelancing. Like, there could have been a bit more of a focus on becoming a freelance translator because we sort of finished uni and then we were like, how do I do... There were so many things, like just about starting up your own translation business, how to market yourself, how to get clients, mm-hmm. how to, I mean, even basic things like how to pay your own taxes as a freelancer. Like maybe uni yes. isn't necessarily the place to learn those, but a lot of like we sort of, <laughs> sort of had to figure it out because. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I mean, I think it should be the sort of place because, because this is one of the things that gets leveled at the education system in the UK a lot is that it doesn't teach you those skills about 
taxes and paying bills and all of these things. And I think in, in this instance, yeah, it would have been a bit more helpful just to know a little bit more about contracts, a little bit more about invoicing, taxing. Mm-hmm. Those things definitely, yeah, could have been could have been a little bit more depth on those, I think. Yeah. I got the feeling from our master's degree that they weren't necessarily expecting us to finish the degree and become freelance translators. I felt like there was an expectation that we were either going to become a project manager or an in-house translator. And I think they sort of brushed over the freelancing bit a little bit. That's interesting. interesting, I found maybe that was just my perspective, but I didn't feel like. No, I didn't know. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it from that angle. But uh, that's a good point. It's a good point. There's definitely been a lot that we've had to teach ourselves in the last couple of years. Yeah, definitely. No, definitely. I've learned. I've probably, I feel like I've probably learned almost the same amount since I finished the degree that I learned during the degree. Just completely different stuff. And obviously like a lot more practical stuff as well, because I'm now actually doing the, doing the, having a job. Doing the having a job. Doing the having a job. (laughs) Now I'm actually doing having a business. But like I also think I also think it's crazy how far we've come since finishing our masters and how much we've had like learnt on our own. I mean I've enjoyed doing that, so maybe it shouldn't have been part of the MA because otherwise I wouldn't have got to learn it all on my own. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you can't expect any course to teach you everything. everything. No, exactly. And when it comes to postgraduate, there's obviously a lot of independent study that you've all got to do. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a, I think those are some good things that could maybe be added into a master's. Thing. Well, we've seen that they were included in some. So Yeah. yeah so we've actually got, um, we've got a few, a few more uh, translators that have had a little bit of a say about what they wish that their, that their MA had taught them but didn't so first of all we've got stephanie hancox um, telling us about her experience i really loved the flexibility of my ma on my translation course at sheffield you had a lot of options when it came to modules which meant you could really tailor your learning to suit your particular interests at times i wish the content of the course had been a little more industry specific and less theoretical but overall it was a really positive experience Thanks, Stephanie. Our next message is from Katie Wright. So I did an MA in editorial translation from 2017 to 2018 here at Murcia University in the south of Spain, from English and French into Spanish. It was good because there were lots of modules that we could choose from. Um, But one of the things I wish I'd learned, I've been taught about, was actually how, actually the legal side of things and for example, doing, I don't know, doing taxes, invoices, actually finding a job as a translator, because, you know, we had all this, all these practical modules and, and theory, but we never actually got any help of how to do anything. Thank you, Katie. Next, we're going to be hearing from Lawrence, who studied at the University of Surrey. My experience of studying a master's in translation and interpreting was in general a very positive one, and one that I look back on with fond memories. Having finished my master's two years ago, I certainly would not hesitate to recommend it. Possibly you are listening to this podcast and deciding whether you want to go and study a master's here. Something that one one should do in order to become the best linguist that you possibly can. Thank you, Lawrence. We've got one final message from Cathy, who studied at Lancaster University. 
I graduated from my MA in translation in 2019 and I really enjoyed the course. We studied a lot of translation theory during my master's, which I enjoyed as I like learning about theory. However, we didn't get a huge amount of advice about translating as a career or beginning your freelance career. Both of these things would have been extremely helpful. My advice, if you're considering doing a master's in translation, is to look at the modules that are part of the course closely. Make sure that they cover the things you want to learn about and answer as many questions as you may have. Thank you, Cathy. It's certainly interesting to hear what other translation MA courses have to offer and what's missing from some of them. So there's probably a lot of people listening to this who are at the point when they're thinking of studying an MA in translation. Do you have any tips for those people who are looking to study an MA in translation? Okay, so the one thing that I've been telling people or would tell people who are studying an MA is look for experience doing actual translation as soon as you can. As early as possible in your degree, try and find some good experience so not bad experience, there is a difference. With decent people, respectable suppliers, and that will really help you because once you come to the end, having a degree on its own isn't necessarily enough to find you work that pays the bills. So the sooner you can start getting experience under your belt and building up that CV, building up that resume, the better. I think that would be my number one suggestion for anyone mm. studying to become a translator. More generally, for people doing the MA, my tip would be to read a lot and read early. Do the readings that you get set, but do more readings because there is a lot of work in a postgraduate if you've not done one before. There's a lot of writing to be done that isn't just translating from one language to another. And the earlier you understand a topic, the quicker you'll be able to come up with a question to interrogate in an essay the quicker you'll be able to find your interests. So yeah, do all the reading as early as possible and start doing reading outside of the, the core list as well. So those would be my two tips. Do work and do reading. Mm-hmm. I would I would definitely agree with you on the first one. I think that that worked quite well with both of us as well because we were both doing a part-time MA. I mean, we both had time to look for work outside of that. The reason I chose to do a part-time MA, honestly, was because I was like... I'm not going to be able to afford this without having a job alongside it. So when I first moved to Manchester to do it, I started off by just working. I worked in Lush um, as a sales assistant and I did that until I could find translation work on the side. And I think as soon as I started doing that, then that's, that's, I see that as when my translation career started about halfway through the MA and that has been so beneficial for me. So I definitely would agree you on looking for translation work while you're doing it and with regards to the reading I mean I just I, I don't think I ever did any of the reading so I can't really <laughs> comment on that I, I, well, just, well, I, I suppose I'm just going to be different, honest different strokes for different folks um <laughs> no and you still came out with a good result so maybe you were yeah you came out with a good result even if you didn't do any of the reading so maybe I also didn't just find the balance it. that works for you another tip i would also just like to add is that do look at all aspects of the course that you want to do do look at the specific modules think about what you're going to be interested in do things that you enjoy because 
you want to be doing something you enjoy because you're probably going to have to be doing a lot of theory I mean you might be someone that enjoys theory but if you're not then you're going to have to do bits that you don't enjoy but also think about do you look at the cost of the MA because unlike undergraduate degrees master's courses all cost different amounts of money and you're going to have to think about whether if you're getting like a government loan whether it's going to give you enough to live off off the side of it or if you're funding it in a different way or whatever like that is that's an important part of it to consider. Yeah, we've got some questions actually. So we've had a question in from Bethan who asks, what were the differences between your undergraduate work and the MA? So do you want to answer that? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to answer that? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Okay, well, the difference, I suppose, I mean, they were completely different degrees. I know <laughs> my, undergraduate, my undergraduate degree was in languages. My MA was in translation, but one was about, you know, so the undergraduate you're learning how to speak, how to write, how to read. Uh, the trans, translation MA, you're very much learning the process of translation. You're not, you're not doing the MA to improve your language skills. Mm-hmm. So it's very different, even from the sort of concept. At least in, in the case of the MA, we did. Maybe others are different. I suppose what do you it's think? Very, yeah, it's difficult to say. What about in terms of sort of workload for anyone that's just not done an MA in general compared to an undergraduate? Yeah. Workload-wise, I did it part-time. You did it part-time too. So it wasn't okay. that bad. I think we had four pieces of work to do every three months or four months roughly, mm-hmm. which is pretty reasonable alongside you know your paid work whatever that is I think it's definitely busy and I think if you were going to do one full-time it would be really really busy when you you add in the lectures the reading the writing mm-hmm. it, it would be full-time but it's just going to vary I mean it depends what you did for your undergraduate degree and where you did it that's very true so we've also had a question in another question from Christina who asked what do you think about social media and the translation blogs have they helped you during your degree thank you in terms of actually getting my degree doing my assignment probably not to be honest but since then i'm getting a better understanding of the industry during the dma once i was deciding what i was going to do when i graduated that definitely there's been a lot of help from things that i've read different experiences with different people so it's something useful to keep an eye on, I'd say, but not necessarily going to make the difference between a grade or another on your actual academic work. That makes mm. sense. Would you say that? Yeah, I think that does make sense. And I, I think I agree with you with that. I mean, I've definitely found social media has been amazing. I've learned so much about the translation industry, industry about how to how to work as a freelance translator from other translators because basically I, saw, I only really got into LinkedIn towards maybe the middle middle of my degree um, was when I started to realise how valuable it was and I literally I went on LinkedIn and I connected with I searched for people who were doing the job that I wanted to be doing they were freelance translators already in areas that I was interested in and I just connected with loads of them and I sort of followed them and read about what they were doing day to day and how it was sort of like building an understanding of how the actual industry works 
so I agree with you in terms of like getting the actual MA it didn't really help in that sense it didn't affect my grades but it helped me have that extra bit of understanding that I needed when I finished that degree going out into the real life the industry and already having connections and learning about it from yeah other translators sharing their experiences hopefully you doing this podcast will be another example of that for people yeah I mean hopefully this will this will help some people um I hope and do you know what I just one of the things as well is that a lot of people think oh freelance translating you're sat at home on your own you're it's, it sounds like it could be a very lonely job do you know what I mean like it's mm-hmm. it wouldn't be difficult to do this job with very little social contact but that's not the kind of person I am so I make an effort to connect with people and talk to people and I like to have lots of zoom calls and I like to chat with other translators and find out more about what everyone else is doing and I mean that's the main reason I'm doing this podcast as well is because I just like to chat to other people basically (laughs) and I really think that my my like my job wouldn't be the same if I didn't have the social aspect of it so I was like no I want to have a social aspect to this job like I'm not just gonna sit here on my own and so that's like it's another thing to like bear in mind that you do kind of you need to like force that more than you do maybe with an office job where you would have other colleagues just automatically there around you you have to meet your own colleagues and decide who you want to have around you and who you want to chat to and who you want to meet up for coffee and you can even like work with other people in a coffee shop and be doing your separate work but have (laughs) your colleagues like you would in an office and but you get to choose who they are okay so we've had another question from B who asked how much does the MA prepare you for the real business world quite a lot would be the simple answer I now, you know, at the end of my MA, I understood a lot of different tools that were available to me. I had a reasonable grounding in what it meant to be a freelancer, even if I didn't necessarily understand all of the processes. And I felt, I think most importantly, I felt confident to go and do the work, find the work and do the work and know that I would do a good job. So, yes, pretty well. A few areas I think we talked about earlier that it could do better. And I think that that varies from what we've heard from a few different people today. That varies from course to course. But on the whole, I'm definitely a lot more prepared post-MA than I was pre-MA. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think the MA plays a massive part in what you need to prepare you for the real business world. It doesn't give you every single thing, but I think it is important. And I would agree with you that it does prepare you quite a lot so I think that's all we've got time for today thank you so much Chris for coming on to the podcast it's been absolutely wonderful having you here and it's been really interesting to hear your experience oh you're very welcome I hope it's been interesting and useful for some people listening and thank you to everybody who sent in comments and questions and shared their experience with us um because it's really interesting to get a more overall experience overall insight with the variety of different experiences that people have had one last thing from you chris where can people find out more about you and get in touch with you if they want to ask you questions or require your services well people can find my website at www.cdrewlanguagesolutions.co.uk 
or you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all under C Drew Language Solutions or Chris Drew MA on LinkedIn. Dot will, I'm sure, include a link or two in the show notes so you don't have to work out how to spell my name. Thanks again, Chris. Very welcome. <laughs> Speak again soon. Thanks for listening to Meet the Translator episode one. I hope you enjoyed it. In the next episode, I'll be talking to Julia Landry about in-house translation. We'll hear about her journey to becoming a translator and discuss the positives and negatives of in-house translation, what it's like working as an in-house translator in 2020, and how to get a job as an in-house translator. I'd love to hear from you, so if you have any questions about in-house translation or feedback on the podcast, please send an email to meetthetranslator at gmail.com. Thanks again to Chris Drew and for all the other translators who contributed to this episode. And thank you to Pippa Williams for creating the podcast jingle. Take a look at the show notes for more details and for a transcript of the episode, visit www.robertstranslation.com.